But for those of you that are new here today, my name is Michelle. I just get up here and just have a chit chat with all the people. Um, it is great. But welcome. If you're new in this place, I've met three new people this morning. So uh, welcome to church. It's good to have you here. And this morning we're continuing in the book of Daniel. We're at chapter four. Has everyone been tracking along with us through the book of Daniel? It's been great, right? Whereas today we're going to be looking at a different character in the Bible. We have have been following the life of Daniel this morning in chapter 4. We see that King Nebuchadnezzar, he's been taught a few lessons in this chapter. And that in these chapters we see, we're going to hone in into King Nebuchadnezzar and we're going to look at his life and the, the lessons that he learns in this. And it is a great lesson for you and I this morning also, that this great truth of, um, the, of pride and self-sufficiency that we can sometimes lean on and lean into, that um, God actually teaches him something in this. And then for us here today, that we also learn from that story as well. So are we all ready for a much-needed lesson? I know, has anyone else learned this hard truth of, you know, getting a little bit humble in life? I think we live in Australia, so it's really good. So we have that tall poppy syndrome where you can't get too pride and arrogant because there's someone in your life who's going to just cut you down anyhow. So I think in some ways that might be a benefit for us here in Australia. I don't know. But um, we're going to pick that up. We're at chapter 4, verse 1. Oh, yep, here we go. thought I lost half my scripture. Okay, we're here. To the nations and peoples of every language who live in all the earth, may you prosper greatly. If we pause here for just a second, this word prosper here, the word prosper is the same Hebrew word as peace. That the word here that King Nebuchadnezzar is using is peace, which encompasses more than just this quiet, restful state of being. This prosperity is saying that peace in our souls that there is a peace no matter what chaos and stuff that's going around, that there is this deep peace and this rest in our souls. So this is what King Nebuchadnezzar is saying. And it goes on in verse 2. It says, It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. Over here we see that King Nebuchadnezzar is declaring and proclaiming to all of the Babylonian Empire. He's a great king. He's built built this great kingdom. But as you would have heard in verse two, um, um, chapter two, um, Pastor Phil was talking about this big G God and these little G gods, and we see King Nebuchadnezzar throughout the scriptures here that he isn't following this big G God. And yet over here in these verses, we're seeing that he is proclaiming to all the kingdom, to all the Babylonian empire of this most high God who has proclaimed, who has done this miracle, who has performed signs and wonders in his life. And he is proclaiming that, he is declaring that loud and proud, proud is the word, in his life and across this kingdom to say that actually this most high God has performed something great in my life. I'm not holding on to it and I'm going to proclaim it. And the fact that this chapter, and so he writes that all out and he sends that all out to um, circulate throughout that Babylonian empire. And this chapter here written 
is written by this pagan. It's the only chapter in the whole of the Bible that is written by King Nebuchadnezzar, a person who hasn't been noted or written anywhere that he was actually following or he was a Christian. So by this pagan that's declaring that the Most High God has performed these signs and wonders in his life. So that's pretty amazing, right? And so he's declaring this truth. He is is aware of this God that is able to do things far greater than what he ever thought or imagined. And in addition, the Lord here has proved that he is sovereign. He is sovereign over all the world and over the Most High King at the time. That God is proving that, you know, you can be the greatest of kings. You can be the greatest you think you are. But in fact, I am greater. That I am sovereign over all. You may be the best king in the world there for the time. But actually, I have rule and power over you. And that he shows him um, some truths here in this scripture. And King Nebuchadnezzar um, goes through quite a journey through this scripture that brings us back to um, praising God and considering him as the most high God. Nebuchadnezzar saying that peace didn't come easy. We saw that at that early part in the verse 2 that he is proclaiming that peace and declaring that. He goes through quite a journey of um, dealing with pride in his life, just like sometimes we might have to journey through but then comes out of that other side of declaring that most high God in his life. And this is a large chapter, and I encourage you to read that all at home, but over here we're going to break it down so we're not here for three days reading the scripture. Um, So we're going to pick it up where Daniel interprets the king's dream. And this is in verse 19, it'll be on the screens. Then Daniel also called Belshazzar, which is his Babylonian name. We saw in chapter 1 where when they come out of exile and they're taken into captivity that the Babylonians under their masters have renamed them. They all get, it was part of custom, part of their time, that they all get given these different names and labels. So Daniel's is Belshazzar over here. We follow through. And he was, then Daniel was greatly perplexed for a time and his thoughts terrified him. So the king said, Belshazzar, do not let the dream or its meaning alarm you. Belshazzar answered, my lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies and its meaning to your adversaries. The tree you saw which grew large and strong with its top touching the sky, visible to the whole earth, with beautiful leaves and abundant fruit, providing food for all, giving shelter to the wild, animals animals and having nesting places in its branches for the birds your majesty you are that tree you have become great and strong your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky and your dominion extends to distant parts of the earth your majesty you saw a holy one a messenger coming down from heaven and saying cut down the tree and destroy it but leave the stump bound with iron and bronze in the grass of of the field while its roots remain in the ground let him be drenched with the dew of heaven let him live with wild animals until seven times pass over there it's meaning seven years this is the interpretation your majesty and this is the decree the most high has issued against my lord the king you'll be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals 
You will eat grass like the ox and be drenched with the dew from heaven. Seven times will pass, seven years will pass, pass you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all the kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. The command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. Therefore, your majesty, be pleased to accept my advice. Be pleased, people. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be that your prosperity will continue. So over here, we see that 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 journey that the king has to go through. He's been given this dream and then now Daniel, having to be brave, can you imagine going up to the king and having to deliver that great news to him? And um, so then we see here the king begins to share how he encounters the Lord took place. But he's living in this place where we see here, this place of comfort. He was prosperous he was in he was content he was happy with life the king was king kingdom was flourishing he was doing great everything was going well and he had set up that kingdom and everything he needed was there and this picture becomes quite clear that this self-sufficiency and pride is a problem this self-sufficiency and pride is a problem is revealing that the comfort of the king that, you know, he can stay in that place and he can rule that kingdom and not even worry about there being a, a big G God at all because he's got it all and he's getting it all done. And I title this first, um, this first slide is Having It Your Way Comes at a Cost. That for many of us, we would have a lot in our lives where we are comfortable, where we are prosperous, where everything's going well, and we can, at the cost of having all of that secure and safe in our lives, that it can be at the cost of actually not needing God. That actually we, we can get about our lives, we can get about doing our thing and not even consider that God is in, in control or needing us. And over here, I'd love to take a minute, we're going to turn our attention to the screens and see a Burger King commercial that was made in 1978. May I help you, sir? If I wanted a Whopper and asked you to hold the pickles and hold the lettuce, would I get to hear you sing? No, sir. You'd get to hear us sing. Hold the pickle, hold the lettuce, special orders, don't All we ask is that you let us serve it your way. Well, the one big hamburger. Have it your way. Come on now. Have it your way. Have it your way. You don't want pickles? Don't have pickles. You want to have double cheese? Add double cheese. Build your burger your way the way you want it. Have it your way. This was introduced in 1978. And whilst that is fun, well, I just came across that ad and I'm like, this is great. We're going to play this. But in all aspects of our life, that we can actually set ourselves up to be comfortable and have it the way we want it, right? 
we can say that actually, you know, this, there's a generation, I forget which one, there's a, a, I think it's McGrath or something, is that what it's called, where they do the surveys? And they say there's a generation of um, these 20-year-olds that actually they don't want to work full-time. Four days is enough and they'll, they'll work four days because why stress out and work full-time? Um, anyone in that category over here, I'm sorry. Um, but, but there is that. There is all these different things that we can put in our world and put in our place that will say, actually, I'm going to have it this way because it matters to me and I'm going to be comfortable and I'm going to set myself up in such a way where everything is working the way I have it. But we, do we do that at the cost of? Do we do that at the cost of not relying on our God? Do we do that at the cost of actually not even considering the sovereignty of God in our lives? As Christ followers, we follow our God, right? Not God following us. That at the cost of having it your way, what is, what is the cost that's being paid? Are we so dependent on what we're doing? Are we so self-sufficient that actually if we even stop for a minute now and even think about what our weeks look, look like, what part of that, what percentage of that has been dependent on God? as Christ followers and the sovereignty and the most high God in our lives, that we say and we declare and we sing to on a Sunday, how much of that is, um, is being declared and sung and, and lent into on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? We are set up so well in this day and age that um, we can become so self-sufficient at a cost of, at the cost of not being dependent on God. That, you know, we have a lot of money for this generation and we can um, buy things and do things and set ourselves up well. Big theatre rooms and all these fun things that we lock ourselves in and put Netflix on and just zone out of the world and that's needed, let me tell you. But, <laughs> but is it so much so that we don't even have time for God in that moment? Throughout scripture we see that pride and self-sufficiency does get in the way of connecting with God and for us this morning we ask that same question having it your way does it come at a cost does it come at a cost of being actually not dependent on God who's to lead us and to guide us in our everyday the way we live our life is we want it our way we want to build our own burger we want to do things the way we want and we want to like it's good if you don't like onions just don't have onions in your burger and that's okay but then what else are we building what what are we building in our own lives at the cost of not being dependent on our god did you know that we are in the top three richest countries in the world even if you're on centrelink in this place they're actually doing better than most people in, around the world that number one is the Norwegians, number two is the Swiss, and then number three is the Australians. That we are actually, now this was done a couple of years ago, but we are in the top that anyone in this room, actually we're pretty comfortable. We're pretty much set up in, um, you know, finances and living and a beautiful country that we get to live in. And so some ways I think sometimes that can be against us. <laughs> that we are set up so well and we go about our days so easily that we aren't reliant upon our God. And we see this that, you know, the king was so set up well, but yet God caught his attention 
to say, humble yourself. And we see that being this dependence that it's not self-sufficient but dependent on our God. Number two, humility or humiliation. King Nebuchadnezzar's story reveals this kind of pride that led to insanity, that he lost his mind, he lost everything. He didn't even live with humans. He, he, was, he was cast out, diseased, deranged, thinking he had this inner turmoil and discontent within himself. And his story revealed that we can either choose humility or humiliation. One, you can initiate, the other, God will initiate. And God warns Nebuchadnezzar about this and identifies in his life where this area of sin um, is in his life, where there is pride that's rising up and it's rising up in his life and, and the Lord had to show him and teach him that actually that isn't good. We need humble and humility in that place of pride. Um, yesterday, I'd just like to tell you a story. Um, I was recording um, part of the album yesterday, an album that's coming out. Um, I know you all know how wonderful a singer I am. And um, I was in there, I was getting a bit puffed up, and I'm like, um, excuse me, is there going to be credits on this album so my name can be on there? Um, for the, those of you that don't know me, I'm a terrible singer. But it was so much so, they just needed voices in the background just to cause noise. Um, but anyhow, there was a bit of um, humility that had to be cut down when I heard that actually no one's going to hear or know you're in this, this album. I'm like, oh, well, whatever. Um, I'll just tell everyone here today about this great success of mine. I'm on an album. I hope the album actually gets released. I might cut that song and then I'll be really cut off, just like Nebuchadnezzar at the stump. Um, but yes, that did happen yesterday. It was true. I can't wait for when it actually comes out. I'm hoping it really does hit it. I'll tell you all about it. But it's top secret now. Only you people know. We'll wait for it. Prosperity and contentment can bring a sense of complacency. That we can grow a little bit dim, a little bit dull, a little bit okay with life as a result of being comfortable and happy with life. We're told in scripture that Nebuchadnezzar was at home in my palace, content and prosperous, it says, before all things broke loose. When times are good, we may not think too much about God. When, you know, the family are doing well and everyone's in good health, when the Bills are being paid when there's food on the table, when there's a roof over our, over our heads, that often we just go and sail about life thinking, how good is this? You know, Christmas is coming and financially I'm doing okay for those presents. But then when times aren't good and potentially kids are unwell and doctors can't tell you or understand why they are the way they are, or when relationships are breaking down and, and bills are building and all these things are taking a place, that's often when we'll turn to God. That's often when we need to lean on God to say, God, this is out of my control, but you have control over all these things, which is good. But he's also in control of when seasons are good, when everything's going well, our sovereign God waits for us. 
the most high is there to say, come to me. But yeah, we, can't, we are all dimmed down sometimes by life just going swell and great. But being dependent on God in every season matters. That our most high God calls for our attention in every season. And for every single one of us, he calls to us this morning that we would be a little bit more God dependent and a little less dependent on ourselves. That the truth of the matter is that heaven rules and that we just walk out that truth in our days and our lives. That it is not dependent on how I, I lead and go about, but I want to be a person that lives a life that is dependent on God. That wakes up on Monday morning and says, God, how great you are in every season of life. I've got a lot of learns in that, <laughs> to be honest. We are, we are dependent on God in every season. And that the blessings of God are come upon us. Though we have many things that we're blessed with. Finances, we, we talk about, we're number three in the world of these great places to live. But they're given to us and entrusted to us that we would be a blessing to others, right? That we would make a difference in what God puts in our hand that we would walk that out, we would give that out, that we would share the great love and the blessings of what God puts in, in our hands. That isn't held for us, it isn't stored up and held onto what we get to do with it. But freely we give it back to Him, right? There is a blessing that comes that God pours out in our lives that we get to steward and give out to those around us. Do we express our dependence on God? Like so many aspects of our relationships with the, with the Lord, that it begins with prayer. That in um, Chronicles it says, if God's people will humble themselves and pray, then he will hear us and forgive us. That reality that in every season, that prayer is key. That prayer says that God, this isn't about me controlling my life, but I am surrendering it over to you. That in every good and bad and in-between season, that Jesus said, I'll come and I'll pray. That I'll humble myself. That I'll surrender myself unto you. That if my people humble themselves and pray. That over here we see this humility or humiliation. That is the key here. That if we humble ourselves and pray. That if we come to the Most High God, heaven rules every situation we believe that in this place that all we do is come to the father and we pray and we bring to him all that we are and all that we're not is often what I'd say because for my life there's often not a lot there to give and we declare that he is sovereign and that he is the one that leads us and rules us and number three New growth comes from stumps. That over here, we see that King Nebuchadnezzar, and in that dream, was cut off at the stump, right? That that big tree that was touching the sky and flourishing and blooming needed to be cut down. Tall poppy syndrome right there. That over here, Daniel explains 
The command to leave the stump off the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. The good news, God always shows us the way back. You may be here this morning and needing to hear that truth. That, you know, maybe you've had a rubbish week and maybe the week hasn't gone well and you're sitting here and pride has risen and all sorts of things have taken place that you're not proud of. The good news is that there are, no matter how big the stump is this morning, that God can restore it. God will restore it. That as we come to him and we we renounce those things and we give those things up to God, that he is more than able to take them and to um, restore what has been broken. He's always willing to produce new growth in our lives. And we see that picture here with King Nebuchadnezzar, that greater did he flourish in the kingdom as a result of being humble and coming to, the, coming to God and renouncing those things. It took him seven years. It may have taken us a little while to get there. But to know the truth that God is always there ready to forgive. That God is always there ready to forgive. No matter what you've done, no matter what people say you've done or say about you. The truth is that God is ready to forgive this morning, right? That in your life, in my life, no matter what we have done, that he is ready to forgive us. When pride causes us to fall under the weight of sin that he is ready to forgive it, that he is ready to forgive. As soon as we humble ourselves and come to the Father, hand it all over to him, that he is willing to take that and cause new growth in each one of our lives. Nebuchadnezzar learned this the hard way. He went through seven years of living like a madman, a wild animal, out, wasn't even allowed to have human contact, wasn't able to eating all sorts of rubbish out of his mind, it says. And yet God restores him. And greater influence did he have in that kingdom. And the same is true for us. As we heed God's warnings in our lives, sometimes we miss it, I know I do, maybe not you lot. But yet we come to him and ask for forgiveness. He is so quick to forgive that. And over here in verse 34, at the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High, I honoured and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the time, at the same time that my sanity was restored, my honour and splendour were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisers and nobles sought me out and I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the King of heaven, because everything he does is right, and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. 
what a great prayer. What a great response that we see that God responds immediately to King Nebuchadnezzar. That he doesn't hold back in any way, but he restores him to greater, greater influence, to greater life um, that King Nebuchadnezzar has now. A peaceful heart, a joyful life. He, he has it all. But he went through seven years of walking around and being outcast and being, having to deal with his pride and dealing with his issues. And until such time he could come back was only when God could do something for him. And for us this morning, I invite Chantel and the band up. Now we're going to go into a time of communion. And this morning we've got our item and it's a song called Remembrance. And for us to sit in the silence first and to be able to have a time to be able to be real before God, just you and God, you don't have to share it with anyone or do anything. But what I love about this story is that no matter what we have done, as long as we come to God, as long as we bring it to him, he is so quick to restore. He is so quick to forgive us. And in this moment that um, we're going to have a moment where Chantel will sing. And for us to just be quiet and still before God. And if there's anything in our heart, this is a time where we can declutter life. Everything that holds in our heart and our souls that is not of God, that in this moment we can have an opportunity to be real before God. He knows it all anyway, so why not be real? And then we can hand that all over to Him. And then we're gonna come and we're gonna take communion. We are gonna take the, a bread and a cup. And during this time, we can do whatever we feel free to do. You may wanna pray with um, some friends or family around you. Um, you can use this space. We're gonna go into a time of worship afterwards. And the truth is that Jesus Christ has paid the price already that we are forgiven, that He sets us free for what he, the price He had paid on the cross. And that this morning we get to remember Him, we get to thank Him for all that He has done in our lives. So as you feel free, I would say, take a moment, sit where you are, have a little check in your heart as there's anything there you need to bring before God.